In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, I've got a topic for us tonight. I think this is really important. It's an awesome new lens, I think, for people to help evaluate and make decisions on, but treating your career more as an investment. Yes, Jesse, why have you been so passionate and talking my ear off about this <laughs> all the time? Where do you feel like people are going wrong with? Well, I think there's a couple of different areas when we start talking about how we're making decisions. And a lot of times we bias toward the status quo and don't want to make changes, which I completely understand. We make decisions based on our emotions. And instead of thinking about it in a more kind of logical or as an investment, and I'll explain what I mean by that a little bit later, but I think this makes a big difference for people in their jobs. I think it makes a difference when they're choosing like con ed and clinical courses. And I think especially, I've been noticing this a ton, I think it makes a huge difference when it comes to business ownership. And I think this is one of the most important things as we talk about business ownership that we can start to do is think about terms ROI, like return on investment, thinking about things like that instead of our old lens of, oh, that's expensive. So there's just a lot of different ways that I think this can really change the way that we make some of our decisions and help us make decisions that are going to have better outcomes for us down the road. So what is one example then of this that you see in the clinical setting? Well, let me go back a second and talk a little bit about what it means to treat something as an investment. And what I think a good analogy of this that we all kind of understand is if you were picking a stock, what would you treat this decision? If this decision was a stock that you could buy on the stock market, would this be a, a something you would buy or it would be something that you would pass on? Is this Apple or is this buying Napster? Right? What is the decision here? So the two things that we're going to be asking are, what is the potential upside? If this works the way that I think it's going to in my career, in my job, in my business, what is going to be the possible benefit? Is that a big benefit or is it a small benefit? And what is the potential risk that that doesn't happen? Like we can really simplify it to that. What is the upside and what is the risk? And if it's something that has a low upside and a very high risk of that upside never happening, that's not a good decision. And the vice versa, if it has a really high upside and a really low risk associated with it, well, that's a no-brainer. And so we can really think of things in that context. And so one of the things I think is a really good example of this that we've been talking about a little bit is your first job and how important it is to choose a job that is going to springboard your career. So this is a good example of when you look at what's the upside versus what's the risk. I feel like a lot of people maybe miscalculate or 
don't take into consideration the actual upside, right? So what happens then if you're not really sure what the upside can be? What are some ways to help that? Well, I would just be going back and saying, well, if this thing works the way that it should, and let me give you the example of a couple of people who work at our clinic, people who literally moved out to Southern California for a job at Public Sanity and to learn and mentor with you. And their calculus on this, and that seems like a really brave move to all of us. And it certainly did to me. I didn't have the courage or the knowledge of myself at the age of 25 or 27, whatever it is, to uproot myself, move across the country to learn from somebody. But if you really think about that as an investment, that totally makes sense. That first job is going to dramatically change your entire career. It's going to be the place where you get mentorship, where you learn how to interact with patients, where you get to see a breadth of patient population or not, or you get locked into something that you really don't want to do. And that can be, if we go back and think, if you had a really good experience at your first job, that can be something that guides your career for the next 30 or 40 years. It influences how much money you're going to make later in your career. It influences how much you're going to like your job. It's going to help you create friends, hopefully, that you might keep for years and years. Alternatively, and we did an episode talking about how important that first job is and and how not to be just looking at compensation when you choose that. But alternatively, you could end up in a place that has you burned out, that has you hating physical therapy in general, that has you just going through the motions or doesn't support you as you're building a pelvic health program and you feel alone and on an island and that you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of. Like that is a a huge difference in potential upside in your career. And so for those physical therapists who move to pelvic sanity to learn how to be a great physical therapist and to change the trajectory of their career, what's the upside? Well, the upside is honestly, it's monumental. It's huge. It's going to affect everything for the rest of their career. What's the potential risk? Well, they had a chance to get to know you at multiple interviews before they came out. They had listened to this podcast. They had seen you in the huddle. They'd seen all the things that you were doing. Was there really a huge risk to them that they were going to come out and just hate pelvic sanity? That you were going to be some idiot that couldn't teach them anything or wasn't interested in teaching them anything? Yeah, I mean, I guess the risk would be that that I wouldn't be authentic or that I wouldn't be the same person that I was that they think that they know. And that would, I mean, I could see where that could be a big perceived risk. It is. And that's but- why you gather information to see what that risk really is. And so that's the reason that they would never have moved across country if they hadn't heard you on the podcast or done interviews with you, or even one of them was able to come out and do an in-person event with us. And it was like, that gives you, it minimizes that risk because, hey, it's not just, oh, there's a random clinic in California hiring. This is somebody that I've been listening to and following and who's been consistent with her messaging and authentic on social media for years. What's the risk of all of that being bullshit? Probably not that high. When you've got a really high upside, that becomes a stock that I would want to pick. That's buying Apple back in 2000. Another example that I feel like people get twisted up on, at least our employees have in talking about this, is choosing your con ed courses. This is a great thing. It literally is an investment. You are trading money for some benefit in your career. And so really what we're saying, again, evaluate the upside. How much could this possibly impact my career? And that's you know one of the reasons, that's how one of the reasons we choose to make the courses that you do is you're thinking of what is the upside of this in people's lives. 
So PelvicPT Essentials, that gives you a framework to actually think about how to treat every single patient that comes into your clinic. Like that's going to impact every patient that you see for the rest of your career or essential strengthening. Same thing. Everything in that essential series is all about stuff that is going to impact every patient that you see. That might be very different than going to a course that has, which might be an amazing course, but has a very specific focus on, let's say, working on the big toe. I know it's a silly example. Well, even just the foot, right? I mean, the foot can be helpful, for instance, in, you know, understanding how it works within the pelvis. But if you don't choose your course correctly, you could easily choose an ortho running course that on the foot that doesn't really translate ubiquitously across your patient population. Right. Or even choose a course that does translate, that is a great course to take, but maybe you only use that technique with 25% of your patients. Well, which one of those courses then, as you're evaluating, has the bigger upside? Well, it's the one that teaches more of a framework that gives you a tool that you're going to be using for the rest of your career, as opposed to something that might be hey, this could be a really cool thing for a subset of my people. And I'll give you another example that was real life for us with this. Before we revamped our continuing education program at Pelvic Sanity, we were letting our people choose their con ed courses with no supervision. Um, <laughs> like, like little children. Like little children. Um, but seriously, like we were just like, oh, what do you want to take? We'll pay for it. Great. And now it's much more of a structured born out of this issue, right? Where it's like much more structured. What do you want to do? What do you actually have a lack of knowledge on? What would be the biggest bang for your buck in terms of of clinical expertise and knowledge? Yeah, asking what's the upside. But because of this example, we had a PT who was really interested and went and took a course all about being in the delivery room. PT in the delivery room, which objectively is super interesting. But... So she went, the course was great. I'm sure the instructor was super knowledgeable, all of those things. I guarantee she has not been in a delivery room since going in to learn how to be in a delivery room. That was not the focus of our clinic. We didn't have a relationship with the delivery room. She didn't want to do a doula thing when she realized that being called at 2.30 in the morning was not a fun experience when you realized that like you didn't get to plan what time your person was going to do that. <laughs> so for her... The upside of that course was almost nothing. Like, yeah, it's cool that you know what it's like in a delivery room. And I mean, there's always benefit to gaining knowledge, but she wasn't able to actually directly do that. And then I would contrast that with someone like Juan Martin, who's going to be teaching at Pelvicon, who is a doula and a pelvic PT and does go to delivery rooms. Well, for her, that course could have a huge upside. That course could be a reason that she's able to go and, and run her own business and be a doula and do all of those cool things. For her, that course has a massive upside. For a PT who mostly works with pelvic pain and is never going to be in a delivery room, a delivery room course has very little upside. So that's the way that we're kind of thinking about that. And I know that's an extreme example, but one of the things that I just want to be thinking about is if you were picking these Con Ed courses, like you were picking a stock, you would be saying, hey, what is the potential upside here? Well, of something, you know, that is a big framework that you can use for every single person that you're going to see for the rest of your career. That's a huge upside. And then you have to evaluate, well, how do I evaluate that risk? The risk that that is, we're not going to get that upside. And that's where you have to go back to say like, hey, do I like this teacher? Have I taken something else from them before? 
What are the reviews like? How many people have been through that course? Well, if there's a hundred people who are reviewing the pelvic PT essentials and they're all saying this is freaking amazing and life-changing, that's a way to minimize the risk that this is just some random quack course out there. And so that's the way that we can evaluate that in a little bit more of a systematic way, take some of the emotion out of these decisions and say, well, what is the upside? And what is the risk that I won't get that upside? How much could this course change my career? And what is the risk that it's not going to be that good? And those are a way that we can think about that. So I think those are two really big ones. I've been thinking about this mostly, I have to admit, because I'm always thinking about business. We've been doing our second cohort of the Public PT Rising Business Mentorship Group. We did an awesome webinar. If you guys have not caught that, I'm going to put a link in the show notes all about the ways that you're losing patients. It was awesome. It was so much fun to do. We had a great time doing it, even though we were up late. And I appreciate all of you guys on the East Coast who stayed up with us until whatever time it was for you when we did that this last week. But I've been thinking about it because this is an area where as business owners, I think one of the big challenges is that we have to be able to take the emotion or take the charge out of talking about money. And when we're talking about it with patients, when we're talking about investing in our own business, when we're doing all of those things, we need to be looking at this in a more rational way where we're really looking on the return on investment. And so, I mean, we've been thinking about this. We've been talking about it with people on evaluating whether they're to come into the program. And one of the things I've been saying is like mathematically, this is a no-brainer for people. We want working with us to be a no-brainer for people on this, right? The ROI, we've actually, we have numbers on it. We've worked with almost 80 mentees. We know how much value it adds to the business. It is literally 20 times what people invest is what on average they get out of the program. Our business coaches would say, raise your freaking price. Right? That shouldn't, <laughs> that doesn't need to be more than 10 to 1. Right, We could double the price and it would make a, a great thing. But that is, I mean, that's just the math. Like, would you, if you knew that every single person who had invested in this stock invested $1 and you got $20 back, would you make that investment? Yes, right? I would hope, you know, maybe that's how you got into Bitcoin and we're having a whole different problem right now. <laughs> but in general, that is what we're talking about. Like the math is inescapable. We just have the numbers now and just say like, hey, on average, people gain like $125,000 in revenue in working with us in the first year. So then, Jesse, I feel like what you might be saying and tell me if I'm uh, correct or incorrect in this in this analysis is that when you're if you the ROI is the math, right? The math doesn't lie. Then really what we're potentially making a mistake on is the risk and we're not evaluating potentially the true risk we're evaluating risk on some other factors that might not add up yes i think that's a great way to look at it we are if we can see the upside right the upside here in business is huge you build a business that you love you work the hours that you want to work you pay off your student loans you create new jobs for people you create this business that becomes a pillar of the community and you change your family's like financial situation for not just you, but for generations. Like that's the potential upside. It doesn't get much bigger in terms of upside than starting a business. So that's there. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, is are we accurately evaluating the risk? And I think that's where, Nicole, you are dead spot on with 
maybe our risk calibration is off. And we did a great podcast about whether is this scary or is this dangerous? And I think that may be where we confuse things, or maybe it's just we get our emotions tied up in that. But if you look at like the program, you know, like again, working with us as an example, like we've not had people like failing out of the program. Like 80% of the people are still in it more than a year later and loving it. And if you hate it, don't we don't want you in it. Like, I don't know of a gentler way to say that. We're not holding you hostage in the program. Right. But I would say, though, that I could see, playing a little devil's advocate here, that someone would be like, well, how do I know that that's going to work for me? And to that, I would say, well, then your risk assessment is, is pseudo-challenging the upside, right? But what it really is, is an emotional distrust, like either the system or the person or a distrust in yourself to make the right decision. And that's really what that could bottle down to is if you, you know, it's same thing with like, oh, if this stock, oh, every single person makes $20 for every $1 they put in, I'd be like, you know, sometimes I can be like, oh, well, wait, hold on. Are you telling me the truth there? Again, that's a an immediate like emotional response of distrust. Is this too good to be true? And I think it's interesting, right? Because there's two ways that you can have mistrust there. One is in mistrust in like the program. And that's just, I mean, knowing as much as you can. That's gathering information, like talking to people who have done it and seeing the pictures of people doing it. We have podcast episodes with all that. So, I mean, there's some distrust potential there. But in reality, and you know, and I totally get that too with, I should back up because we see so much of that nonsense on social media and everybody putting out all these stupid ads that they're going to get you 40 new leads next week with this one Google ad and all that shit. So some distrust 100% is warranted. I, I fully embrace that. But I would say from most of my conversations, the risk that is being miscalculated is like the internal risk that you don't feel ready yet. Or I think this is actually a big one that if you do work with a business coach or a business mentor, you strip away excuses if you fail, right? Because right now it might be a little bit easy to be like, well, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm just building this thing from the ground up and I'm bootstrapping and it's taking a little bit of time. But all of a sudden those excuses go away if you have somebody helping you with, hey, here's what we need to be focusing on. Here's the next step. Here's how we do it. And we've had success with other people. It does put a little bit more pressure on you to make a change and to make and to see that in your business. And so I think sometimes that fear of failure comes in there. Sometimes a fear of success comes in there too, of what happens if this blows up and I get this big wait list and I don't know what to do and then I have to hire and then I don't know if I want to hire. And all of that can start swirling around in there as well. Or it's sometimes just decision paralysis of it's just hard to make a decision. There's so many different options. How do I know if this is perfect. How do I know if this is the exact right thing at the exact right moment? And I think that's one of the things that business teaches you is that there's never an exact right thing at an exact right moment. It never happens. All we can do is go in and say like, hey, does this have a positive return on investment? Yeah. Is this a smart decision? And Is this a smart decision right here and right now? Because who knows what it was, right? I mean, is all of us would love to go back to 2000 and be able to invest in Apple. But that's not the decision that we're given to make, right? All we can do is take a look at Apple today at this price and say, hey, what's the upside and what is the risk? And so I think that that is, I think it's a way that we can have a healthier way to make decisions. And I think it gives us a different lens when we're doing that. Because a lot of times 
you know, this gets into a lot of stuff that we talk about in the mentorship, but there's a lot of money mindset issues. There's a lot of ways that we are so risk and cost adverse, but eventually when you go into business, like that's what entrepreneur means. It means bearer of risk. How well can you bear risk and how can you analyze the risk and make sure that the juice is worth the squeeze, that there is upside there. And I think those are the two things to be asking in your career with your Con Ed courses with business stuff is what is the upside and what is the risk? And what would you say to somebody that says like, I actually have a hard time evaluating that or my, my judgment, or I can feel myself getting that emotional risk, poor calculation, but what do I actually do about that? How can I get help in getting an objective person to help me look and, and assess the upside and assess the risk? Well, I mean, that's one of the things that business mentorship is for. But if you're (laughs) deciding about whether to do business mentorship, that doesn't really help a whole lot. (laughs) It's like, can I, I need to hire you as my business mentor to decide if you're a good business mentor for me. Exactly. No, but seriously, I mean, like, what is the advice? That's where I really think part of it is bouncing this idea off of someone you know who you trust. This is a great way to just, even if they don't really know exactly what you're talking about, just being like, hey. First of all, using this framework to articulate it to yourself. What is the upside and what is the risk? If you actually sit there and think about that, and I go back to that episode that we did on what is it scary or is it dangerous, right? A lot of times, and you guys know this better than I do, there's an emotional response to things that we just don't want to do. But if we actually stop and sit, like, what is the risk? I always talk about this with people who start their own business. It's one of the cool things about physical therapy, right? If you start your own business and it totally flops, And you go out and you put yourself out there on social media and three months later, nobody in the whole wide world wants to work with you, right? What happens? You go back to the same job you just had, or you get a different job that's paying the same rate at a different facility and you have that experience and you don't have the regret of having tried that. And I'm like, yes, so what? Right. What was the risk? The risk was, well, I mean, you did. You had three months that were, that sucked. And your ego's a little bit hurt. And your ego's bruised, Right. Are you going to never be able to get a job again? Are you going to, is anything really going to happen? The answer is no. I will say this. This is really one of the cool things about our careers, you guys, is that when we chose to be physical therapists, we did choose, even though we've chosen a subspecialty in pelvic health, we seriously have a lot of options if one of our grand ideas and we decide to calculate the upside and mitigate the risk and go for it and it doesn't actually work. Boom, we can just go back to doing other cool stuff. Our physical therapy career is awesome that way. And then we can reset, recalibrate, and figure out what we're going to do next. Right. Or if you want to give the business more time, you pick up a PRN job or you do some home health for a little bit. Like there are a lot of possibilities out there when we really think about like what is the risk. And I think you're right, Nicole. That's the area where we can really let a lot of emotion in and cloud that. And I would just, I would encourage people to kind of sit with that question. What is the risk? And keep going down until you peel back the layers. I was on a call with somebody who was like, well, the risk is if I go out and I do my own thing, I'm going to have to come up with a name for my business. And I was like, is that a risk? Like, what's the worst that could happen? You come up with a bad name? And we were laughing about it. You know, it was kind of funny, but like that was the first thing that popped into her mind. And when you actually disentangle that, well, what does that mean? It means that you're scared to go out on your own. You're worried you're going to look silly or foolish. You're going to make a wrong decision. Or something that the unknown is also, right? You don't know how easy or hard it is to change the name if you make a 
a bad decision and do want to change it. We've had many people rebrand in our group and it's not that big of a deal. So it's like, but that's the unknown again, that can be incomplete calculation of that risk. Yes. So that's where I just go back. If that's somebody who you, a trusted partner, a family member, if that's just you sitting with these questions a little bit more, I think any of those are going to really help us get a different lens, an ROI lens, a business owner lens on our career, even if you're not a business owner, even if you're just an employee, quote unquote, just an employee, even if you're an employee, like thinking about these things as what is the upside and what is the risk? Would I pick that stock? And really sitting with those questions and thinking that through, I think is going to really give you a different perspective on a lot of big decisions that you're making in your career for your con ed stuff and for your business stuff. So that's kind of end of my rant. I know Nicole humored me with this one because I've been thinking about this and really applying this to a lot of our decisions. And I think it's been an important thing for people in our mentorship group as we go through. So yeah, Nicole, thank you for letting me rant over. <laughs> now, every dinner talk for the next five days doesn't have to be about this. Awesome. Thank you guys for Nicole, what are the upside of these peas? What is the upside? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. There, oh, guys, we've had some pretty low upside to risk foods. By the way, Brussels sprouts. I figured this out. You guys think this is not what we talk about at dinner. It totally is. Brussels sprouts are the worst on investment of foods, right? They are... Very, very low upside and very high risk. There's a lot that can go wrong with cooking Brussels sprouts. And even when they're great, they're not that good. So just saying it would help. Treat your dinner as an investment. Moral of the story. Moral of the story. If that's if you take nothing away from this podcast, take that away. Yeah, careful of those bee sprouts. But guys, thank you so much. We always love having you guys with us. If you have questions about this, let us know. If you are interested in this second cohort of the mentorship group, I do want to plug this for a second because I am freaking excited that we are now able to actually offer this back open again. It's been more than a year, Nicole, since the first group that we took through that 50 filled up. Almost a year and a half, actually. Yeah. So a lot of our people have been with us for a year and a half in that cohort. I'm really excited it's like kind of a pat ourselves on the back, but I'm excited that we're doing this as a new cohort for people and that we're going to be able to bring people in and have them go through some of that themselves and run it as a separate group, let them get to know each other and form that connection that we loved so much with the first group who's still ongoing and kicking ass and taking names, but it's going to be kind of recreating that experience for a whole new group of people. So I'm really excited about that. If that's something that you are interested in looking into, go ahead and go to pelvicptrising.com slash mentoring. That's pelvicptrising.com slash mentoring. There is a survey slash application on there. And if you're interested at all, even if you just want to learn more, go ahead and fill that out. We will get back in touch with you with some more information on the program, but then also, you know, suggestions. If we're not a good fit, we 100% will let you know, give you some other ideas for resources, but we are just really passionate about the more of us who are doing what we want to be doing in this field, the better patients are going to be getting care. And at the end of the day, like that's what it's all about. So if that's what your vision is as well, like let us know and see if we can help. So as always, we would love to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.